Welcome to the first episode of Hot Off the Pod, where we take you behind some of the Daily Nexus's hottest headlines. I'm your co-host, Harper Lambert. And I'm Melanie Zement. And today we're going to be talking about the 30-meter telescope project, which is about 15 years in the making. If built, the TMT telescope would be the largest and most powerful visible light telescope. The project is being widely protested because they are constructing the telescope on a sacred Hawaiian land plot. And here with us today is Max Abrams, lead news editor of the Daily Nexus. Max is a third-year communication major at UCSB, and he has been reporting on this telescope for over a year, since 2018. Max, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Harper. Thank you, Melanie. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yay! Before we get into the telescope, I just wanted to ask about a little personal history. What got you interested in reporting on the TMT beat? I think the first thing that really caught my eye was the amount of, I guess there's like this outpour on social media um, about last summer. um, And I saw a lot of students just talking about Chancellor Yang, who's UC Santa Barbara's chancellor, and his affiliation with this project. So I think a big thing to understanding UC Santa Barbara's role in all of this is to understand that Chancellor Yang is the chair of the Board of Governors of the 30-meter telescope, and he has been for, at this point, well over a decade. And that information's been public for as long as he's been in this position, but it wasn't until about a year ago when people really started to pay attention to it. And when people started to pay attention to this, they started to release Google Forms, surveys. There was almost like these virtual digital type protests, and that gained a lot of attention online. And that was what first caught my eye. And from there, I kind of just noticed this pattern and that, you know, this was becoming more than just a student issue, but I think amongst the students, an indigenous rights issue. And I started to look into it and I started to reach out to the folks who were making these Google Forms and that were making these, you know, these kind of these digital protests and just trying to understand where they were coming from. And um, I think that kind of spiraled into the very first story I wrote that summer. And I think the rest is kind of history. Wow. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. The Nexus first started reporting on this actually in 2009 Mm -hmm. in an article announcing that the UC is currently spearheading a collaborative project to build the world's most advanced telescope. Mm -hmm. They say that construction is going to be completed in 2024. It's going to cost around $1.4 billion. And something interesting in the article is that Yang is quoted saying it's capable of allowing someone at the top of the Empire State Building in New York to read a billboard in L.A. on a clear day. So how powerful exactly (laughs) is this telescope? To my understanding, the 30-meter telescope would be, if, if it is built, the most powerful visible light telescope on the planet. Now, 20 years ago, this was just an idea that people were flirting with. And, you know, people were flirting with it because I don't think the technology had quite gotten there, or at least in a practical sense, and the money just wasn't there. So this is, you know, this is really unprecedented. And I think that's why people want to build it on, in the eyes of the 30-meter telescope and the corporation, it's the most pristine land you can get. So if you're going to have, you know, one shot at this, you want to have it on the best land. I think that's kind of the rationale. So the combination of the two allows scientists to see Um, stars, and more specifically, black holes with unprecedented detail. So, and just to kind of go off of that, um, at the second most recent UC Regents meeting in July, it was brought up, the 30-meter telescope was brought up as a discussion item where there was a couple stakeholders or prominent folks from the UC who work with the 30-meter telescope, and they were emphasizing really the necessity of seeing this project through its completion 
and there is a professor at UC Los Angeles. Her name's Andrea Gez. She serves on the TMT's Science Advisory Committee, and she said that the 30-meter telescope represents our best chance at deepening our understanding of the physical realm. And she was talking about how, you know, the detail is just, as you said, is just is sheer and unprecedented. So what about the land will allow the telescope to work so well? Mauna Kea, for a long time, I think, you know, long before Hawaii was colonized, was was always seen, I think, as just pristine stargazing land. If you go back to the days of uh, Native Hawaiian, like mariners, right, Native Hawaiian sailing, they use stars, star navigation. And the land around Hawaii is just so free of any kind of pollutions. And it is just such a strategically in such a great spot for stargazing that there's really no other place on earth that's like it. And Mauna Kea is the highest point in all of Hawaii, of all of the islands. So aside from it being sacred, it's also strategically one of the greatest places to put a telescope. There's very little light pollution. It's very high up in the air. And geographically speaking, when you look at the orientation, latitude, and longitude of where Mauna Kea is, it's in a very good place compared to their backup areas, which is in La Palma, the Canary Islands. So this has led to a lot of telescopes being put on this land already. Right. Why has this telescope been so widely protested when compared to the other 13 that are already on the land there? So I don't have the perfect answer to that, but I can tell you that the feelings I think that, that people have felt about, um, you know, building just telescopes in general on sacred Hawaiian land is really, it, it's been accumulating, it's been precipitating this time. And in the process of building the 30 meter telescope specifically, there were a lot of trip ups and a lot of kinks um, along the way. And one thing I wanted to talk about was that in the mid 2010s, there was a lot of back and forth between the Supreme Court of Hawaii and the Board of Lands and Natural Resources. And essentially, they finally struck a deal before they began construction again, saying that essentially, if the 30-meter telescope was built, three others would have to be decommissioned, and um, it would be the last telescope on the island forever. So I think people are really sick. They're really tired of, you know, having telescopes built on their land, you know, and it's something I think that's very difficult for us who aren't native to Hawaii and aren't part of this culture to really get a grasp of. You know, imagine if you had a piece of land that was sacred not only to you and to your family, but to your entire culture, and then have folks who aren't part of your culture from way far away, just kind of monopolizing this land and building telescopes for, you know, things that you would have never done. But right. there's obviously a lot of money and a lot of people in the scientific mm-hmm. community who are behind this project. Maybe we should turn to talking about who are the people who are, you know, supporting the project's completion. Because mm-hmm. there are obviously major players in this discussion. Yes. So the 30-meter telescope is one thing, and then there's the organization behind it. So the current organization in its current form is called the 30-meter telescope International Observatory, LLC. That was formed in 2014, and it contains most of, if not all of the current six partners in the 30-meter telescope, and that's the Department of Science and Technology in India, the National Astronomical Observatories of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the National Institutes of Natural Sciences Observatory in Japan, there's the National Research Council in Canada, the UC, which is one of the largest stakeholders, the Association of Universities for Research in Astronomy, and the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. So um, there's a lot of money involved, but there's also, like you said, a lot of key players. So in terms of the UC, we really have three big ones here. We have Chancellor Yang, 
who is on the chair of the Board of Governors and has been for well over a decade now. We have Paul Jenny, who's a senior vice chancellor at UC San Francisco. And we also have Michael Bolte. Michael Bolte is the associate director for TMT. And those three combined have done a lot of work for the project on behalf of the UC. Gordon and Betty Moore, this foundation, they're listed on the TMT website as observers. So just to be clear, they are providing funding for the project. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about the foundation itself? Absolutely. The Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation has been around for some time now. And in 2000 and I believe 2008, they gave the UC and Caltech a $250 million pledge towards the telescope. Now, this was some, some time ago. To my knowledge and from what you know, some of the stakeholders have been saying at recent meetings is this $250 million pledge is still in play. So essentially what happened was they split the $250 million between the UC and Caltech, and then they also agreed to raise an additional $100 million from their own funds. So the UC has been working now to raise its half of the share, the $50 million, through philanthropic support. But aside from that, the price of the telescope has also rose significantly. Some time ago, they, like you said, it was estimated about a billion and a half dollars. And now I think they have kind of re-audited the telescope and it's closer to two and a half billion dollars. Wow, that's a large increase. Yes. Yeah. Where is that coming from? Well, time and inflation, because one point four billion dollars was going to be the price of the telescope if it was completed on time. We're in 2020. It was supposed to be completed now. Right. Wow. Obviously, that's not going to happen. How um, much of a player is these protests in delaying the building of the telescope? Everything, everything. I think all the resistance really comes from the folks at the other side of the 30-meter telescope. And I think without them, you know, had this not happened, I think that the 30-meter telescope would have, you know, gone through with the, the necessary permits and just built the telescope. But essentially what happened was protesters and these Native Hawaiian groups that come in against the telescope. And I think everyone's seen pictures of them by now um, down at Mauna Kea's sole access road up the, the mountain, um, just sitting there, peaceful protesting, right? They have the Kapunas, who are really, really, really old Native Hawaiian folks. And they've been, you know, in these communities for decades, you know, this is their land, these are their people. And they're sitting here really putting their life on the line to protect this mountain. And that's really what has ultimately thwarted a lot of progress because they've taken them to court and they've pretty much stalled all the progress which takes time and with time you have inflation and 10 years of inflation on a billion dollar project is going to be pretty exponential. I want to lay out a timeline for everyone who's listening about the protests and everything but before we get into that I thought it would be worth giving people an idea of the scale of this project because you know, we've said it's the most powerful telescope. Um, we know that it's incited all these protests, but I think that apart from just the desecration to the land that any telescope causes, mm -hmm. it's kind of worth looking at why this telescope is such a big deal. So I was doing a little bit of reading on this, and it says that the core tech of this telescope is going to be its 492 segment, 30 meter diameter primary mirror, which has 12 times the focus of the Hubble telescope, and it's 18 stories high. So just to give an idea of how big that diameter is, in case you're having trouble visualizing it, mm -hmm. that is 10 times the diameter of the average London tube tunnel. It's 10 meters larger than the diameter of the London Eye. It's two times the diameter of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. 
And I tried to do this with Krispy Kreme donuts. It ended up being impossible. I am also terrible at math. But I did look up those giant donut pool floaties that people love to use at the beach. And uh, those are about (laughs) a meter in diameter. So imagine 30 of those in a row. That is, that's the primary lens of this telescope. That's insane. It's bigger than a swimming pool. For oh, sure. yeah. Definitely bigger than a swimming pool. A very rich person's swimming pool, for sure. <laughs> That's massive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say bigger than most. And also that Gordon and Betty Moore, Gordon Moore is, I believe, the co-founder and CEO of the Intel Corporation, mm-hmm. creator of the world's first microprocessor. Why is this project, if you know, why are they so involved in it? What got them involved here? The Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation obviously has um, a lot of money to give out, right? Philanthropy. And um, like you said, Gordon Moore, was uh, he was an Intel co-founder. And they love to give money to support scientific discovery, um, environmental conservation, and just, you know, science in general. And I think back when, I'm assuming the... UC and Caltech and the 30-meter telescope were probably going around and tapping for donors. They came across the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. And I guess the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation really took a liking to the mission, the cause, the project that the 30-meter telescope was and um, decided to strike that deal with that $250 million pledge, which still, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, still is in effect. So I think that it really just caught their eye. They're, they're a company that is, is known for doing that. Aside from the 30-meter telescope, they've given money to the South Pole Telescope, the WM Keck Observatory, which is also on Mauna Kea, the Hydrogen Epic of Reionization Array, the Event Horizon Telescope, All Sky Automated Survey for Supernovae. So they've given lots of money to other adjacent projects like it. Along love with telescopes. Many other things, too. So they're just a big founder for large-scale science, I'd say. It takes a lot of money to do these things, and there's not a lot of people that can do that. And Gordon Benny Moore Foundation is definitely one of them. Mauna Kea, it's part of these ceded lands that originally belonged to the Hawaiian Kingdom. Yes. In 1968, that's when the University of Hawaii takes out this 65-year lease. In 1970, the first telescope there goes up. Mm-hmm. So if this telescope is not completed by the end of that lease... What could happen? I think this all takes us to the year 2033. That's like the big number right now in terms of the 30-meter telescope. So in order to build the telescope, in order to build any telescope on Mauna Kea, you have to have a land lease. You have to have the land given to you. You can't just come in and just build something on it. Um, And that's where a lot of these demonstrations, a lot of the legal battles have taken place with the leases on the land. Essentially, 2033 is a really big number because that's the year that the lease is going to end. And the issue now is that protests have stalled the progress of this telescope for essentially more than a decade, right? And if you add a decade to about 2020, which was their target year, it's going to take us right up into about 2033. And that's, you know, without factoring in any future protests, any future stalls, any future setbacks, any future roadblocks. So there is significant concern now, both amongst protesters and Native Hawaiians that it's not going to be built. Well, maybe not concern for them, but maybe some joy. But there's significant concern and doubt now amongst the UC and these key stakeholders that like, hey, wait a minute, we're not going to be able to build this. So essentially what's going to happen is the UC is trying to get an extension on this lease, trying to renew this lease because, I mean, they have to quite literally buy time. Um, And if they don't, then 
they're really going to be out of luck. If you don't have the leash, you can't build the telescope. So as of recently, kind of going back to this most recent UC Regents meeting at the end of July, there was a big discussion that took place about the fate of this land lease. So they have kind of come to this junction now where they can either decide to keep moving forward with building it on Mauna Kea, you know, and acknowledging the risk it imposes if they don't finish it on time, or throw in the white towel and go to their primary alternative site, which is La Palma and the Canary Islands. So this land lease is really important because it really is the whole structure. It's kind of the carotid artery, you know, of of really this whole project. If, if it goes out, everything's going to go out with it everything revolves around this this land lease. So do you see the protesters ultimate goal as holding out until this lease expires and trying to stall the project long enough so that they can make it impossible for this telescope to go on their land? Yes, and I think the protesters have been very smart in going this route because if you look at the telescope itself, you know, it is kind of a David and Goliath battle here. You know, you're going you have these native Hawaiians who've been on these islands forever and you know they're trying to fight this huge you know multi-billion dollar telescope with their bodies and um literally and they've been very smart because if you can't target the telescope itself you can target the lease right and if you think about the chicken and the egg the egg is really the lease and you can't have the chicken without it so you really can go for this lease which is much i think simpler to go for than the telescope itself and you can take that to court you know, you can strike down certifications and you can strike down um, leases and you can strike down all sorts of these things and essentially just draw it out as long as you can. And that can be done and I think in a much more accessible manner than actually trying to, you know, go up the mountain and dis- dismantle this telescope, which is really not that much built anyways. But um, yeah, going for the lease is definitely strategically the best shot because if you can draw out the lease, it puts the 30 meter telescope in a really precarious spot. We see this really pick up in 2014. There's a groundbreaking ceremony. It's limited to only a couple attendees, and then protesters come and block that access road. From there, there's all of these court battles. I think the Hawaii Supreme Court revokes that permit they gave out because the opposition claims that permission had been granted before the opponents could really voice their concerns. And then it sounds like for the next few years, it's just some back and forth until 2019 when this really comes into the focus of the international news. How did that happen? I'd say July specifically. July 2019 was a very contentious month for the 30-meter telescope. And uh, people knew that the 30-meter telescope was going to resume its construction a little bit ahead of time. They knew that was going to be the date. So when that all started again, you know, there were already people pretty much sitting down waiting to block these access roads and to protest this telescope once again. And for some reason, this really just caught on to the news cycle. And before you know it, you have National Geographic and like Scientific American, the New York Times wired, and, and everyone was writing about it because I think this is starting to really snowball into an issue that is much larger than the scope of just one telescope being built on one mountain. You know, this is starting to become a very symbolic, you know, issue 
um, and an issue symbolic of you know colonization and indigenous rights and desecration of sacred land. And that became much more, I think, of the attention than just the telescope itself. So that really snowballed into a whole lot of things. And then that actually, to kind of segue into my coverage of everything, that was really when my coverage took off because that was when the UC and students really got involved. And students started to realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm seeing this on national news and I'm also realizing that my university, my university system is part of this, you know, and uh, I think, you know, your opinions can be whatever they want on that, but I think people were just starting to realize that, wait a minute, I, as a student, a student who's paying to go to this university is actually becoming part of this. And people didn't like that. A lot of people are like, wait a minute, why am I paying tuition for a university that's desecrating sacred land? It's coming in and, you know, building telescopes upon other people's wishes not to. And that was when the protests and the forums and the open letters came out. And that was when students really started calling on Chancellor Yang and looking for a response and calling on the UC and looking for a response. And for a long while, we didn't really get anything. But I think 2019, July 2019 specifically, was really important because that was when it was kind of like the shot heard around the world. There was like movie stars flying in. It got so much attention. And then that, and it got really hard for the 30-meter telescope once again. You know, this was the day they had planned to start construction, and then boom, nothing really happened except everything they didn't want. Was this around the time when the UC Student Association wrote their letter expressing mm-hmm. their desire for the UC to divest from the project? Yes. So that came just a couple months after. So mid-late July was when there was definitely some resistance at the Access Road. And that was what got the attention. And then at the end of September, actually, wow, almost a year to the day I wrote this, the UC Student Government, which is the UC UCSA, UC Student Association, they're the, the one big um, binding student government amongst all the UCs. They released an open letter signed by the EVPSA, which is the External Vice President for Statewide Affairs um, at UC Santa Barbara, along with executives from all the UCs essentially urging, begging, mandating that the UC divest completely every penny from the 30-meter telescope project and that any lecturers, faculty, really anyone with a, with a foot in this project leave immediately. What would that mean for the project if the UC were to take their funding and effort away from this? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And that actually was a question brought up verbatim by one of the UC regents during the last regents meeting about this. And long story short, even the regents didn't have an answer. Nobody really knows what would happen if the UC left because they are so central to the success of this project. And that's why they're in such a precarious position. They did hypothesize, though, that for one, the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation would be really mad. Um, (laughs) You you know, you're paying $250 million for now what's effectively a bucket of parts. And that's not only frustrating, but for, you know, a philanthropist, and his wife and organization that prides itself on scientific advancement, that's kind of embarrassing to just walk out of what could be the future of science, right? So nobody really knows, I think is the best answer, but we do know that no matter what happens, if the UC leaves, it wouldn't be pretty. That's the bottom line. On a local level here at UCSB, what shape did activism against the telescope take? The activism, I'd say, would 
best be described as pretty grassroots, which again, I think is a little ironic given that we are going up against this multi-billion dollar project with all this science and components and shiny things, right? We're here with Google Forms and signs. And I think that's in many ways at UCSB the best way to do it. So, you know, we've had, I think once students came back to campus, because a lot of this took place over the summer initially, some of the student government offices really got to work and thinking, okay, how can we get the students together while we're all still here? So one of the biggest things that took place was December of 2019. So a little later of that year, the Office of the External Vice President for Statewide Affairs and the American Indian Student Association brought some speakers as kind of a panel to the USEN. And essentially, these speakers were Native Hawaiian activists, some local, some from Mauna Kea, some from Hawaii. And then they also had some, I believe they were just Native speakers from like the Goleta area that were from Chumash tribe. And they all came together and they played music, played some songs. One of the Native Hawaiians was actually like a very world famous bard and he knows music from like hundreds of different cultures. And we came and they and they spoke and they spoke pretty much about the opposition to tmt and why it's so endangering to the health and safety and lives of the native folks who live there because ultimately you know you have the uc building it but it's not the uc who lives on these lands you know they're all living in the states you have to think about you know the impact that you're having on the communities that you're building this telescope on and it's ultimately the native hawaiian folks who are here to still live they're not going to leave right so they wanted to talk about really the long-standing effects of this project because I think the UC, in their eyes, is getting too caught up with building it, but not so much about the consequences of building it. And this event was a really good reminder to students that, hey, this has real risks. And um, that got a lot of attention. And I think we wrote an article about it, and some of the Native Hawaiian folks who were at the event saw it afterwards, and they kind of blasted it out to their social media channels. And it got a lot of attention, kind of a domino effect. Chancellor Yang eventually pledges to bring this UC Student Association letter to the TMT board meeting in January 2020. I believe, did that ever happen to your knowledge? He did make the pledge. I can't remember if he did or did not bring it forth to the meeting, but I can tell you that if he did, nothing happened. Chancellor Yang in another conversation with um, who was the, the then external vice president for statewide affairs, Davion Beasley, he, Davion, was uh, in a room with Yaika Meyer and Anthony Cowell. Now, Davion was hosting this event, the Native Hawaiian Speakers event, with Asia, which is the American Indian Student Association. And Anthony and Yaika were from that group, and Davion was representing his office. Now, they were sitting, uh, they were having a small meeting with, I believe, Maricela Marquez, who's the Associated Students Executive Director. They were sitting in this room planning out how they could have a conversation with Chancellor Yang about the telescope. Now, apparently, Chancellor Yang and his office had wind that there was going to be this discussion amongst Yaika, Anthony, Davion, and Maricela about him. So what Davion told me was that Chancellor Yang and an aide or an assistant actually showed up to the meeting while they were planning out how to talk to him. And Chancellor Yang came in, and he said he just, you know, Chancellor Yang tried to listen to them, you know, wanted to hear them out, and they were essentially winging this because this was their planning meeting. And Davion told me that Chancellor Yang brought out pictures and was just telling stories about how there was Native Hawaiian people who were, you know, praising him for his efforts. And uh, Chancellor Yang was showing them pictures of, you know, him with Native Hawaiian folks at Mauna Kea, and you can check those out online too. They're online. 
and was just trying to explain to them that you know he's he's maybe not so much the demon that I think kids were trying to almost portray him as either on social media or just in speaking out about him and try to maybe kind of put some of those accusations to rest um, and you know Davion and everyone there was like okay you know we hear you but we still want you to leave and Chancellor Yang said bottom line is I'm not leaving I'm not going to walk away from being the chair of board of governors he said that it's a revolving role as in he will not be the only person in this position somebody else will take it over eventually and that his role verbatim is minuscule now the only thing that really confused me about that maybe not so much the magnitude of his role but the fact that it's revolving he's been in the role for over a decade so I'm very curious to see as to when the next person's going to be here so, but those were the things he said, and I think that was really the bottom line. And in terms of progress and I think opportunities for Chancellor Yang to leave, that was it. And I think after that, we really never heard much else. In this last meeting that you wrote an article about, um, I think it took place over Zoom in August. What was the consensus? or maybe there wasn't one that this all sort of ended on. What's the current status of the project? The current status is really up in the air. I think that's the best way to put it. The UC has been putting money into this project for years now. Um, And the article I wrote before the one we're talking about was actually based off of a public records request that was filed and successfully obtained from the group uh, Monocure Protectors at UC Berkeley. So go them. Um, And they figured out that since 2014, the UC has invested over $68 million into the 30-meter telescope project. That was something we didn't know. And we know now that the UC is still consistently putting money into this project. And I had been wondering before this Regents meeting started, like, what are they doing with this money? It's not something that has been publicly discussed since the Regents passed an action item all the way in 2014. Um, about funding the project. So they've been giving it money, but they haven't really talked about it in six years. And it was really weird to think about it like that because I had seen it on under other agendas, the 30-meter telescope, but they were all closed-door sessions. So they're not open to the public. I tried my best, couldn't get anywhere. (laughs) Um, So to see this as a public agenda item, something that's for the public, you know, to actually listen into was really something I didn't want to take for granted. So in listening in, though... It was shocking because the discussion was was like this really, really scary revelation that the UC doesn't actually know really a whole lot what it's doing with this project. Uh, Chancellor Yang was there. Michael Bolte and Paul Jenny, the three big representatives from the UC, were all there. Um, Chancellor Yang didn't answer many questions. He deferred quite a lot of them to Michael Bolte and Paul Jenny. Um, and Michael Bolte was, for lack of the better world, grilled by the chair of the Board of Regents, which is John Perez. Something interesting to note here, I think especially as a student, um, and if you're not familiar with the Board of Regents, it's uh, a board of folks who essentially make some of the biggest decisions for the UC system. And they don't get paid, but they're all very rich. And that's probably some in some way how they got to where they are. But they make a lot of big decisions about the UC system. And the board has a chair. And about a year ago, um, to kind of coincide with this whole timeline, about a year ago, they got a new chair, and his name's John Perez. Now, John Perez had a really successful career in, like, semi-local government in the L.A. area as, like, a councilman and a really beloved politician. And when he came in, he really shook a lot of things up. And one of the things he shook up was the 30-meter telescope. He 
um, unlike many of the folks on the Board of Regents and just big stakeholders in the UC, is not a very big fan of the project. He is one of the folks that is actually listening to the student voices. He's one of the folks that is actually questioning the, the actions of people around him and saying, why are we putting so much money into this? So it almost sounded like um, at this Regents meeting, it, it almost sounded like a Senate hearing. You know, Michael Bolte and Paul Jenny were really getting pressed for like what tangible things, you know, is the UC actually doing to make this project a reality and many of the answers were just not clear nobody really knows and i think this conversation really showed the uc that there's so much work that needs to be done in order for this project to actually become a reality so yeah a lot of things are up in the air and even the uc again one of the largest stakeholders in the world just like doesn't really know what's going on I think it's fair to say that you are not going to be the last one reporting on the TMT. definitely not. (laughs) Well, thank you, Max, for sitting down with us and talking about this. Absolutely. Um, We really appreciate your time. Yeah. So good to learn more about this project, and hopefully we'll find out in the coming years whether it gets built. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. It could go on until 2033, so many more (laughs) Nexus generations of reporting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. My pleasure. Here are some other hot headlines from this week. In the 2021 U.S. News Best Colleges Ranking, UCSB ranked number six in public schools and number 30 in colleges nationwide. The Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office continues to search for a missing pilot who crashed off the coast of Isla Vista. Search for a new director of the Office of Black Student Development is underway after the departure of the inaugural director. Special thanks to our guest Max Abrams and our producer Emily Kosis.